This is Amateur Logic, episode 163, for December 15th, 2021. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in amateur radio accessories, and by ICOM. This holiday season, spice up your ham shack with ICOM's IC705 Portable or the new, now shipping, ID52A handheld. These radios are perfect for staying in or venturing out and working your favorite bands this winter season. Well, good evening, and welcome to a special holiday episode, Christmas episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. Tommy, you? And I'm Mike. And it's great to be back with y'all again. We've got a special show lined up tonight. First off, a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and and whatever else we celebrate this time of year. Like everybody's got the hat memo, but me. Yeah, that's what I'm just saying. A while ago, you can wear that one up there. The the uh, Woody one from Toy Story. Yeah, <laughs> that would <okay>. work. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, it's pretty I'm much. I'm gonna it. have to get get it out of my system right now. I, I you know the ribbon on the Mills hat. Um. There is a character called <laughs> called Pippi Longstocking, and and I just had a flashback of that. Character. Oh wow, I haven't heard of that in years. Yeah. Well, I thought dog ears first, but I think you're probably closer, Mike. No, there's the dog. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, we got a lot of stuff lined up tonight, but before we get into that, just want to mention: anytime we're streaming live, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. Tell me about that chat room, Emil. In the Amateur Logic chat room, there's some interesting, even within the chat room, there's some interesting divisions that might get some uh, special attention this time of year. So you got to be careful what list uh, you might be on here because somebody might be watching. And, uh, you know, you never know which uh, one of those lists you're going to wind up on. So I'm pretty sure I know the majority of the uh, list sometimes based on what I'm seeing in there. But, uh, you know, if you're missing out on half the fun here, join the chat room. Just be careful of which list you might uh, wind up on because, you know, somebody's watching. So it's kind of fragile maybe, huh? A fragile situation that you really have to uh, pay attention to. No, that's fragile. It's French. Oh, okay. No, I thought it was Italian. It was Italian. I thought it was Italian. Yeah. I need to brush up on that then. Christmas Eve, I'll probably watch it about eight times, or Christmas Day, rather. Yeah. Because they play it back to back. 
Well, I'm the official slacker of December. I don't have a video for tonight, but... You did a good job then. Well, I did. I was almost did one this afternoon, and I said, no, you know, I got to... I got to step up to the plate and, you know, hold that position down. I know. Sammy, what have you got tonight? Well, I finished up my battery project, finally. I didn't have enough time to uh, to go through all the steps in the last show, so I finished mm-hmm. it up. I'm kind of glad to have that one behind me. Uh, it was a good project and ready to move on to something else. Okay. Email. What have you got for us tonight? Well, George, tonight, um, uh, you know, what's better than, let's see, what's what's better than a holiday pie, right, in, in, in weather? I mean, hams love holiday pie and weather. Um, so I figured, you know, with that kind of combination available in the shack, uh, I can see all sorts of information. And I mean that's what I'm that's what I've been up to or what I got going on. So um, you get to see uh, multiple pie on this show tonight, I, I believe. Okay, yeah, you, I think you're right. There's going to be some pie later on, but you use a fork with it. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, what have you got for this month? Well, actually, I've been pretty busy at work, and um, I didn't have a lot of time. And I got thinking about, I don't know if you've seen that uh, Beatles special uh, called Let It Be. Right. Apparently they went into the vault and found some stuff that was 50 years old and they remastered it. Well, I didn't have anything and I was short on time. So I went into the ALTV vault and found a couple of uh, items. <laughs> okay. And with a little bit of a little bit of remastering, um, we'll, uh, we'll, well, we'll just see how it goes. Well, we don't know how that's going to go. We'll just have to wait and see. It should be good, though. Yeah. So, do you have a post or email or anything you want to share with us tonight, Mike? I do. And it's that time of the year again. It's a December. Of course, it's Yoda month again. And uh, there are several countries that are participating, including the U.S. and Canada. And some others, and you can find out more on the Radio Amateurs of Canada website. Or if you click on the link below, you'll see events-yoda.com. We'll give you uh, additional information on that. It's a lot of fun, and I've never done it, but I hear a lot of folks participate in it, and it's a great way to uh, get younger operators on the air. Okay. Well, speaking of pie... And multi-pie and multi-display pie and weather and all the good things that just hams love. Um, I had an adventure with my new, the Pi 400 that I got recently and needed some uh, command center type displays in my uh, shack for operations to, to give me the information I wanted. And I had some fun with it and wanted to share it. So check it out. Amateur Logic TV viewers, Mike, Tommy, George. In this episode, I wanted to talk about the new Pi 400 and something I'm doing with it over here. 
with its capabilities, its new capabilities of uh, dual displays. Here's the Pi in my foyer that we use to monitor the weather casually here. And it's a touchscreen 7-inch display. This is the actual server that's serving out the application. So we've all heard of the Clear Sky Institute ham clock application. I won't spend too much time talking about that. And then there is the Pi Weather Station app, which I'll talk a little bit more about because there are some options for this application that allow me to set it up on another Pi that's in my shack, actually being served from one of my 7-inch touchscreen display pies. But the uh, project itself is the Pi Weather Station from Elowin on GitHub. A very neat application and it just works. So the program that I really want to focus on a little bit about the Pi, uh, you know, what am I, what am I going to display on the two screens? Well, the first one is Ham Clock, which we won't spend a lot of time on because Tommy and uh, others did some episodes on how that works and how to set it up. But this is a Pi Weather Station app that's available on GitHub from Elowin, E-L-E-W-I-N. It runs on my 7-inch Pi touchscreen in my foyer. We use it all the time to look at the weather as we're walking out. The app itself is uh, really well designed, I guess is the best way I can put it. The, the layout is just great from what my perspective. There are some APIs that collect information from Mapbox and Climacell. And then you can also do geolocation using another API, which will just automatically put you on a map based on your ISP's IP address. You can get those APIs. They're all free. I'm not subscribed to anything that's uh, charging me. It's a very good set of APIs that just work. And it's been working for months here without any failures or any issues. Very easy to set up. One of the first things you do here, the instructions are all in the actual uh, default readme of the GitHub file here, the github readme.md file. Literally what you do is clone the repo from GitHub to your Pi. There's multiple ways to do that. You can find that out how to do it either from the web or from command line interface or CLI, how to get this. Very simple to download and it does require Node.js, the JavaScript. There's two commands run this setup instructions here. There's two commands that you do and you got it. By default, the server listens on its own host only, local host, as you can see here on port 8080. If you open the Pi's browser and put it in full screen mode, that screen right there that you're looking at is the result. These maps that you see with the weather cells, you can put them in motion. This, this icon will send you back to your home position that you either set or it found from geolocation. You can set night and day modes or dark mode as they're calling it today. And it all just works flawlessly. And here the, the little gear is where you set up your API keys within the system. When you get the key from these uh, places, these sites, you, the API key, you put them in there and it'll start hitting against those keys. Now what I've done after you set this up and it started and listening, I wanted to set it up so that it's, it's listening on my network, but not just from itself. You know, in, in the default setting here, it's only, the app is only browsing to itself. Well, you can change that. 
and make it open it up to your internal network. It's I'm not publishing this on the internet or anything. It's just inside my network at home. They tell you exactly how to do that um, in the actual servers index.js. If you take this local host out and make the command or the uh, setup comp- the file look like this, the Java code, then you wind up sharing the app out to other devices on your network. So if you browse to the Pi's IP address that's internal to your network on port 8080, you will get that screen. This is, uh, I'm, I'm VNC'd remotely into my Pi. This is my television that's out there, HDMI. You can see it's a much higher resolution, so it adapts to the display that you're on. It's got my location. There's some weather here. I like it zoomed out to this level because I do have some family in different spots, all from from where I live all the way out to Lafayette and and other places. This is the, the one display, or HDMI, and the ham clock is sitting in the other display. You notice they're both in full screen mode. So I'll show you what the screens look like in the in the shack itself. You don't see anything to do with the pie or the, any of these borders. It's just two displays, one with ham clock and one with my uh, weather display so that I can always see. Let me take it out of full screen mode, minimize that, show you the app on the pie. This is a Raspberry Pi 400 like George has shown. There's an app under preferences now on these Pies with the multiple displays, the Pi 4 and the Pi 400, called screen configuration. And that screen configuration is just like a, you might be familiar with from a Windows. It looks pretty much the same. You, you set up the multiple displays and you put them logically where they are. So you'll see in a minute, my shack, that this little smaller screen with ham clock over here is higher and to the right of my flat panel TV for the weather. That's this screen that I'm on now, in fact. One of the great things is these are independent. Each panel or each screen can have its own resolution. It can be positioned any way you want it. You'll see why that is because I've, ha- I've got two different displays of different sizes. Plus, I want this ham clock to be larger, so I put it on a different display. But this screen layout editor is built in now to the OS of the Pi. If you have the Pi 400 or one of the fours running, uh, you'll notice it has two HDMI, many HDMI ports out, so now you can put them to multiple displays. On the Pi itself, this is how, and that's under the preferences screen configuration. So you can set it up there, and if you notice, I'm, I'm running my mouse up through it, and you see it changes there. In the shack, of course, those displays are separate from each other, So, but I know now to get to this display, I'll just move up to the top, and over to the right, and I'll, I'll wind up on the other screen. So you position these screens logically. Again, it's just like Windows or any operating system modern with multiple displays. I'll bring that back up, weather station, put the browser in full screen mode. There you go, and let's take a look at what that's gonna look like in the actual shack. This is one of the displays that has the map that's being served from that little pie in the foyer, and it's just running that on this display and then on this display, with along with the Pi 400 here, that's running the ham clock application. And you can see there how it fits in that display nicely. And I like it. I like the size of it. I can read it very easily within the shack when I'm operating here. I actually got one of the beacons monitoring from the, N, the NCDXF beacon display on the ham shack or the ham clock, sorry. Those are multiple displays. 
coming off of the back of the Pi 400 keyboard there. Each of them, uh, one of them actually goes into a multi uh, HDMI so that I can switch between my computer which is running a uh, packet gateway uh, there's my packet gateway for WinLink as well as several other apps like WSJTX and other apps that I run here on the PC side it's just simply by toggling that this display so we'll dual displays on the Pi gotta love, gotta love those Raspberry Pis um, this Pi is obviously a little bit more powerful. I've got it plugged into the Ethernet network here. That Pi is a, a pretty good power. There's no doubt in my mind I could run more apps than just this as well. It's not it's not really touching this Pi's processor all that much. So I've pretty much dedicated it to that in the shack while I'm operating here on the different rigs and uh, doing different things. So very useful as far as information goes very good use of the Pi's multiple displays for the shack here. Really cool. Gotta love having those displays and the information in the shack. So let's take a look at how to set this up to have the Pi Weather Station set up or to allow access from another machine or another computer. And it doesn't matter the type of computer by the way. You can see here I have in my present working directory my actual server or the uh, application is installed in this location here. It might be different depending on where you put it on yours. Basically this instruction here says to open the servers index.js javascript. So I'll do that. I'm going to use nano and uh, text editor. You can use whatever you want to do that. And you go down to the part that shows app.listen basically tells where the app where to listen what ports and what scope and here you can see mine does not have the local host here so I've already modified my script so that it looks like this or that line so that it looks like that right there so app.listen port there's no local host in quotes here which means it's going to allow other connections from other IPs instead of just Pi that it's installed on or the computer that it's installed on. So once you've done that, you save those settings, then your system will allow other browsers or other computers on your network to browse to it. That is the result there. This is the Pi in my shack that is browsing to this Pi on in my foyer, the little seven inch display. Pretty efficient use of the pies there one one there's only one server and it's serving multiple ser uh, things and I, I can do that from any browser you know from your phone as long as you know that address you can browse to it from any computer via port 8080 and that apps gonna come up anywhere in any browser serving from that pie good good app it just runs it just works accurate we can tell we can see when that weather's coming across the screen you know it's coming <laughs> which is awesome uh just by visual uh the, the the aesthetics of that the way it's set up is really nice of course george the dual displays right you've been you've been messing with your uh 
uh, Pi 400 probably, and that's the first time I've actually used it with dual display, um, which is really handy. And that Pi can run it both of those apps. That Pi 400 is a little bit more powerful than the regular four. You know, I've I've noticed that myself. Just a little bit peppier. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yep. I heard a rumor that they were going to start squeezing eight gigs of RAM in that uh, 400. But uh, there was a Hack.io uh, article on that where somebody had done it. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if it's not too long before we see 8 gigs of RAM being supplied. Well, I could swear I saw a, a news article at one point about it, the Raspberry Pi 4s coming out with 8 gigs in them. I saw yeah, I did too. Somebody hacked one and... Or was in the process of hacking one to go to eight, but I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I read an article too where where they were going to release an official version uh-huh. of an eight gig. But, uh, I yeah. tried looking for the article and I couldn't find it. I went on Raspberry Pi organization's website. There was not even a, a hint about it on there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to have one when they come when they do get one out. I'll probably order one. Yeah. Well, Emil, you had another video for us tonight that eh, it's a little a little different than we normally see from you. What was your inspiration for this? The inspiration for this video, George, uh, of course you know me as the cheap old man, and as there was absolutely no expenses made, and I used <laughs> bottom-of-the-shelf Evan Williams-infused eggnog. I'm not sure, or I don't remember exactly what happened, But uh, here's a favorite holiday tune with a little twist. Said the night went to the little ham. Do you hear what I see? Wait, what? Way up in the sky, little ham. Do you hear what I see? Is this thing on? A beam so high. Dancing in the night with a boom so long It's not right With a boom so long It's not right Said the little ham to the distant voice Do you see what I hear? Let me get my SDR USB through sky, distant voice. Do you see what I hear? Uh, no. A tower, a tower, high above the trees, carrying the waves over the seas. Carrying the waves over the seas. Said the distant voice to the mighty ham Do you know what I know? Huh? I don't think so In your shack, warm, mighty ham Do you know what I know? A warm shack, more like a doghouse A card, a card Travels through the bogs, let us bring Cards from the logs. Let us bring him cards from the logs. Said a ham to the people everywhere. 
listen to what I say. Here, see, which one is it? Pray for sunspots everywhere. Listen to what I say. Turn your webcam on. Accuso, accuso, rag chewing through the night. They will bring us goodness and light. They will bring us goodness and light. Merry Christmas, 73. <laughs> yeah, that was good, man. That was great. <laughs> the, uh, that last slide says it all. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. And from what I just heard, I'm kind of glad I don't remember it. <laughs> yeah. It, it was all just a dream, Emil, just a bad dream. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, uh, if if George would have had his hounds over there at your place when you were recording that, if they would have been howling in the background. <laughs> well, my dog's still there on the futon, so I guess we're all right. Okay. Well, Emil, as long as we're doing cheap stuff, this would be a good good time that you could share an email with us. Emails, emails. All right. So, email. Uh, email. <laughs> uh, Glenn, in the chat room, KG5CEN, Mr. Glenn Strecker, um, wrote to me about an interesting project um, from KM6LYW. Craig, uh, Craig Lamparter, I think, from Cool, California. We've all heard about digital voice mode hotspots, and we, we, I know we use them all because of the net we run, but how about a data mode hotspot? He's put together this image, this Linux image, that hosts things like packet TNCs, APRS, Digipeters, iGates, WinLink client, and servers, FT8, SlowScan TV, Node services, BBSs. I mean, he's got it all in his pie, and it's all driven from a web interface to enable each of those different things on the fly. Uh, so Glenn and I, I think, are going to get together and build one of these things, see what's going to happen. So thanks for Glenn for hunting that out. And, you know, it works with either, you know, if you got a rig with sound card, be a USB interface built into the rig, it works with those with very little more than just the Pi. It also has some audio boards and other things if you don't have one. There's lots of information on this website from him with hardware, software, configurations, wiring diagrams. He, he's done it all. And uh, he shows you him using it. Got lots of videos there. So thanks to Glenn. And I hope to be able to uh, put this into uh, use for us because we do a lot of things. Winter field day is coming up. So we'll likely jump on that. So thanks to uh, KG5CEN for finding that and looking forward to getting together with them on it. Okay. Yeah, it looks fun, interesting little project there and cheap too. Yeah, nice find. <laughs> All right. We're going to be back because there's more to go yet. But first, let's get a quick message here from MFJ. You know, I'm a man who likes to have an antenna analyzer or two handy. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. And this is one That's of my... Kind of like a red-green-ism. Uh, yeah? <laughs> kind of like uh, if women don't find you handsome, make sure they find you handy. 
Or resonant. Or resonant. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite ones right here. Take RF testing to the next level with the new MFJ225HFVHF two-port graphic antenna analyzer. All the basic analyzer functions you expect, plus a host of advanced features like built-in LCD graphics, two-port VNA measurement, PC interface with IG Mini VNA freeware, and precise direct digital synthesis. It's two analyzers in one. Out in the field, the MFJ225 is a compact, self-contained handheld analyzer. On the bench, it's a full-fledged two-port S21 desktop machine when teamed up with your PC. Using powerful IG Mini VNA freeware, you can run detailed data analysis and then print out stunning color graphic plots to document your work. You get the big picture every time with MFJ225's built-in backlighted 3-inch LCD graphic display. Make fine circuit adjustments using full-screen, easy-to-view SWR bar graph. Capture vivid swept displays for SWR, impedance, return loss, phase angle, and more. Operation is simple. Adjust the center frequency, tuning step, and sweep width instantly while viewing your plot, literally shaping it before your eyes. The MFJ225 tunes continuously from 1.5 to 179.9 megahertz with rock-solid stability and no gaps. The VFO is a state-of-the-art programmable direct digital synthesis generator with pinpoint 1 kilohertz frequency resolution. DDS control means no mechanical band switches or tuning elements, just a reliable velvet-smooth optical encoder to glide across the spectrum. The MFJ225's DDS stimulus generator also gives you a leveled minus 5 dBm signal source for driving mixers, low-power amplifiers, filters, networks, diplexers, and antennas on the test range. The MFJ225 simultaneously compiles and displays all important parameters you need on a single screen, giving you a wider range of results at a glance. Find out what you've been missing. Visit MFJEnterprises.com or your favorite ham radio dealer today. Thanks, MFJ, for sponsoring Amateur Logic all these years. Absolutely. That's That's a great little analyzer. If I didn't know somebody that had one, I'd buy one just like it. Yeah. It's really nice. And if there was ever a zombie apocalypse that happened, I'd be making my way down to Starkville, Mississippi. Oh, yeah, no doubt. They would have most everything you need right there. Absolutely. Zombies included. That analyzer, the thing I like about it, of course, it's graphical. I like that, but it's real-time updating, too. Some of the graphic analyzers that are out there only take a snapshot and then that's what they display. Mm-hmm. But that one's constantly updating. So if you move your antenna, you you see it right there in real time. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I used it uh, in one of my segments when I changed my antenna out, I think. Yeah. After the squirrel disaster. The one, the one, one of the of, squirrel disasters. Yeah, one of the many. Yeah. Well, it is Christmas. Did you put a Red Rider BB gun on your Christmas list this year? I know somebody's got one over here, too. No, actually, I got BB guns. I, I, I don't have too much trouble out of the squirrels anymore because I moved my antenna. I guess they didn't like where it was. Hmm. Well, Tommy, you have been, I guess it would be building a battery. I don't know. The batteries were already built. You had been assembling. No, I built a battery at, out of cells. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, I did, and uh, it's really been a fun 
and an educational project. Let's take a look at the last part of it. Today we're going to finish up our battery project we started last month. Our LifePo 4 uh, 12 volt 50 amp hour DIY battery. I didn't get to show you how to charge it and I did not get to go through the settings for the BMS as well as uh, capacity test it. So we're going to try all that today. To charge it, you can get an expensive charger, but I'm just going to use my desktop power supply. Each one of these cells are 3.65 volts maximum. You don't want to exceed that because you can damage your cells, cause the swelling that we mentioned before. Uh, normally I charge mine to 3.6 volts because it's going to extend your battery life a lot. But let's go ahead and charge it. I'm going to use my power supply as I mentioned. I'm going to set the, uh, the voltage to 4.6 volts. If I can do it from the side here. 4.6 volts. You need to set your amperage. If you look at this app, we've got charging turned off. And we can see that there's no amps being drawn on the battery. So let's go ahead and turn it on. Okay, it's on and we can see we're drawing 2.4 amps according to the app and we can see it's about 2 amps now according to the power supply. To save some time I went ahead and charged the battery up almost to the top just so I didn't have to sit here for hours and wait on it to charge. And you can see that the current is going down. When it gets near zero your battery is going to be fully charged. Let's look at the settings for the BMS. We'll go into here, uh, parameter settings takes it a few moments to load up. Before you charge your battery, you're going to set these basic parameters. My normal capacity is 50 amp hours. I went ahead and I set that. I've got four cells, which this is a 4S battery BMS. My over voltage is set to 3.65, which is from the spec sheet for my battery. Over voltage release is 3.55, so if, if the BMS shuts off, at 3.65, it'll turn back on at 3.55 and allow charging again. Uh, there's some time timing things. Under voltage, and while these batteries can, can, according to the spec sheet, be taken down to 2 volts, 2 volts to me is not very usable. Uh, there are 4 cells, and 4 times 2 is 8 volts. 8 volts for my usage is not any, any use. I've got it on 2.5 which would be 10 volts, which is still pretty low. Um, but for my capacity test, I'm going to leave it right there. Under voltage release is 2.7. Uh, the whole total pack over voltage is 4.6, which is 3.65 times 4. Now remember the uh, temperature sensors on my BMS. So I've got those set. Uh, over temperature is 75 Celsius, which is pretty hot. I hope it doesn't get that hot around here. The under temperature, which is the most important one, I've got it set to one degree Celsius, which is a little above freezing. Again, you don't want to charge these batteries when they're freezing or below because it'll definitely damage your cells. So that's a safety uh, measure to keep your batteries healthy. And there's some other ones uh, over discharge temperature. So if you discharge it too fast and it generates some heat, uh, you, it'll shut itself off. Let's see, there's a uh, charge over current 25 amps, which I don't have any capacity to charge that at 25 amps. And each one of these cells can take a 25 amp charge. So, and I've got them in 
two of them in parallel, so that typically would be 50, but I've got it set to 25 amps just to be on the safe side. Discharge overcurrent, they can take uh, bursts of 75 amps, so I've got that set to 75, but uh, I'll, I'll never discharge it over probably 25. But anyway, that's uh, safety for the battery. And again, this information comes from the spec sheet, which you can see right here that came with my battery. Uh, if it doesn't come, just look it up online. There, most of them are on there. This is an important one, the balance turn on voltage. When my cells get to 3.2 volts, then the balancing will come on. I've got the balancing precision set to two millivolts. So when the batteries are balancing, that's where it'll try to hit that. You can make it lower, but your balance is going to run a lot. Um, it came as 0 0.03, and I tightened it up just a little bit, just for demonstration purposes. Overcurrent stuff here. Cycle capacity, 50 amp hours also. If you want your battery to still have some capacity in it before it shuts off the BMS, you can adjust that right there. Uh, I'll, I'll let mine at 50 and the main capacity at 50 because this battery should be able to handle it. Uh, single full voltage. I've got it at 3.6 because that's, like I said, that's what I normally would charge my batteries up to. If the percentage on your uh, scale doesn't read right, you can adjust these right here based off of your battery. And one last thing on the settings. Let's look at the function settings. Now this is an important one. The balance enable. You definitely want the balance enabled. I, I don't know why you would not. Um, charge balance. I have that turned off. If it's on, that means your balance is only going to happen when your battery is being charged. To me, that almost seems kind of useless. But uh, I've, I've turned it off and I've had better luck with it like that. So once my batteries are charged or if I'm discharging my batteries and they get a little bit out of balance, it'll it'll compensate for them and it'll it'll balance your batteries up for you like that. Now, my my uh, BMS has two temperature sensors, so I have both of those on, but this app supports up to eight. Check your spec sheet for your battery again. I can't say that enough. Make sure that you check it and, and match this stuff up to that. It's good to have a little bit of an understanding on it. And that's pretty much it. And you can see my voltage difference on my cells are 20 millivolts, 19 millivolts, and my charging is turned off. So it's it's reached the capacity. It, it won't turn back on if I try it because it's, it's back to where I wanted it. It sure looks like 100%. Let's, uh, let's capacity test this thing and see what we can get out of it. Okay, so it shows I've got 13.9 volts. I'm going to reset my measurements that I had on here from before. And let's go ahead and turn it up. Like I mentioned, this battery can discharge at 25 amps per cell, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get 25 amps out of this. So let's go ahead and turn it up. I've got it set to about 8 amps, which is about what... Uh, we were charging it at before. See if we can keep this set up here without uh, causing any sparks. And if you look at the app, you can see we're discharging at 8 amps. Let's let this run. It's going to take a while, and we'll come back when it's done. Well, that went pretty well. I'm happy with the results. Unfortunately, I forgot to reset the low cutoff voltage on my 
uh, capacity tester, it was still set to 10.5, where my BMS I had set to uh, 2.5 or 10 volts. So it cut off just a just a moment earlier than it should have. I ended up with 49.9 amp hours of capacity that uh, I was able to use out of this uh, 50 amp hour battery. So I can't complain at all about that. Now if I would have changed it down to 2.0 volts like the spec sheet here shows, I uh, could have gotten more out of it. But I'm, I'm very happy with it. I got a 50 amp hour battery, LifePo 4, and I got 50 amps of usable current out of this battery. Lead acid batteries, if you have uh, a 50 amp battery, you don't usually get near 50 amps of current out of that battery before it's depleted. So I, I can't complain about that. The one final thing I have left is I want a box for it because I don't like these exposed terminals on the top. If uh, something metal touches across that, you're going to have a pretty good arc. Um, I plan on building a nice uh, custom box for it with a place for the terminals and everything. But in the meanwhile, I was at Walmart and I found these uh, battery boxes for boats. So I'm going to go ahead and put that in there. And I'm going to call this project done for now. And my pigtail, I've got some Anderson power poles on it for now. I'll just put that in and run it out of these holes on the front. Hope you enjoyed this series, uh, this two-part series, putting this together. I learned a lot from it. Um, I I'm really glad I did it. I've got a great battery that should last me years now, and uh, I can't recommend it enough. If you look in the show notes, I've got links for where I got the battery and where I got the BMS. Both of those vendors are sold out at the moment, uh, but there are others that you can find them. So look around and you'll find the same batteries if you want them, or, or some may be better. I don't know. DIY for these batteries is not really as scary as some people might think it is. Uh, this The chemistry for the LifePo 4 batteries is very safe. It's not like a regular LiPo, like a drone type battery that's uh, pretty volatile. You get a, a serviceable battery and a lot of capacity. So I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll catch you next time. 73. Did you notice the balance on there, how close it was? It, yeah. It's, the balancer on that BMS is, is really good. If, if any of you guys do one, uh, make sure you get one that's got a balance function that works uh, when even when it's discharging, not only when it's charging. So there's one called Daily, which is popular. It's pretty cheap. Uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't work like that. It only balances during the charge process. Um, so. Really nice. It's almost a shame to put that nice wooden box in that plastic um, battery case. Well, it's actually camera. just two. Uh, it's two pieces of wood just to compress the cells. So you know, if they get hot, the they won't swell. But I'm going to make a box. I think I'm going to make a wooden box out of it with some compression things on the side of it. Um, but I just put it in there for now to finish up the project so the the terminals are covered for safety's sake. It kind of gives it a, a neat uh, steampunk look to it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a 50 ampere hour battery, yeah. correct? Yeah, 50 amps. Yeah. And I got and I got 50 out of it. Um, so I can't complain about it. And the, the price, I, I got pretty good deals when I shopped around and found my stuff. And I, I probably got about maybe 150 to $60 tops in the whole thing. Okay. Cool. 
Well, be looking forward to seeing how that works out field day this year. Oh, yeah, you'll see it. Yeah. Well, you have an email here. An actual, look, this is going to be, because I've got one, too. This is going to be like three real emails tonight. Uh, yeah, because uh, people don't email much anymore. They, Not like they used to. They, it's, everything's yeah. on social media. But we get flooded in there. <laughs> um, anyway, this is from Jerry, WB9WBN. He sent it to all of us. Um, he said, it's a note to Emil right at the top. said, this one's free. He says, uh, I came across a free program that will operate the newer ICOM HF radios from a computer and also provide a way to operate the radio remotely. The program is called WFView. It's available for different operating systems, and I found it on the latest HamPy image. As program can connect to the IC705 over the network. So I'm going to have to give that a try. Uh, the first screenshot here is a screenshot of his PC and his desktop. There's a VNC window of his Raspberry Pi 400 desktop. And on the Pi desktop, there's a WFView window open that's controlling the 7300 via USB. WFView uh, does provide WFView to WFView links for audio, but he hadn't tried that yet. So the second screenshot here is uh, also from his PC. This time it's his desktop has VNC window open to his Pi 400. But this time he has ham clock, and uh, that's a that's a really popular uh, ham program. Uh, Emil just had something on it as well. Uh, anyway, that's running on this Pi. Uh, did you know the ham clock has the ability to show you HF propagation from your location to all points of the globe for given ham band? Um, so it's got the colorized map on there, and it's showing twenty meters. The data is based on the uh, vocap VOACAP program. Never ending list of ham toys on the ham pie image. Now, I'm going to have to try that ham pie image out. I may do something on that sometime in the future. Uh, I've seen a lot of reference to that here recently. Uh, it's really popular. Yeah. But uh, thanks for the email, Jerry. We're going to take another quick break here. Get a message from ICOM. Maybe some good Christmas gifts in this one. Happy holidays from ICOM. This season, spice up your ham shack with ICOM's IC705 Portable or the now-shipping new ID52A handheld. These radios are perfect for staying in or venturing out and working your favorite bands this winter season. The IC705 is the perfect sidekick and QRP companion. Base Station features and functionalities at the tips of your fingers and a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. 4.3 inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall, 5 watts with battery pack BP272 or 10 watts with external 13.8 volt DC. Single sideband CW, AM, FM as well as full D-Star functions micro USB connector, Bluetooth, and wireless LAN connectivity, integrated GPS with antenna and GPS logger, micro SD card slot, included HM243 speaker microphone, and it supports QRP and QRPP operations. ID52A is now shipping. 
ICOM's newest handheld amateur radio is a VHF UHF dual bander with D Star and FM dual mode functions. This radio supports conventional FM communications and D Star simplex, repeater, regional, and worldwide calls over the D Star Internet Gateway. The ID52A is the first handheld amateur radio with a full-color 2.3-inch waterfall display and the ability to send photos over D-Star with a connected Android device. Other features include wideband receiver with guaranteed range of 144 to 148 and 440 to 450 MHz. Simultaneously receive VHF-VHF, UHF-UHF, VHF-UHF with dual DV mode. Integrated GPS GLONASS receiver, including grid square location, micro SD card slot, micro USB port for data transfer, programming, and charging, and it meets IPX7 waterproof standards. The ID52 is a perfect companion for the ID705. Our family of favorite ICOM amateur radios are available this holiday season. The IC9700, IC7300, and IC7610 base stations, and the ID5100A Mobile are the perfect gift. It's the most wonderful time of the year to give the gift of ICOM. For more information on ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com amateur. And thanks, ICOM, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. You know, we were just talking about whether or not we should mention, but... I've been very good this year. You must have been. I put in my order to Santa for an ID-52, I think. Yep. um, I did, too. But I hadn't been that good, but maybe it'll show up anyway. Well, I don't don't (laughs) say that too loud. I mean, you know, maybe he's not checking that closely. Anyway, um, those are in the U.S. now. The first shipment has landed. So they'll be getting those right out. I think they're probably already shipping. Yeah, probably so. so. That's cool. I'm looking forward to it. Well, everyone else, almost everyone else has had an email tonight. So I've got one here I wanted to share, too. And this will be a question for the viewers of the show as well. I got an email here from Ken w 3 crh and he said, hi, George, I appreciate very much all that you and the Amateur Logic team do to produce the show and Ham College in the shorts. And I look forward to every episode to be informed and entertained. Many belly laughs. <laughs> yeah. When operating mobile, I have been using a JBL Flip 4 amplified speaker in my car. I traded that speaker for a Rockform golf speaker which I found have a warmer tone and plenty of volume for any driving environment. It's also rectangular in shape, so it fits in my console perfectly. While the Rockform speaker has an input jack, I can't seem to find a way to disable the Bluetooth function. I now live in rural south-central Pennsylvania, so turning on the radio, it's not obvious that the auxiliary jack is active. Now I'm curious what other hams are doing to amplifier their radio's audio. Well, Ken, I don't have an amplified speaker on mine. I need it. Uh, I could really use it in one of my vehicles. The other one, the speaker's kind of pointed at me. It's it's loud enough. 
However, I have used this before in the past, and it's similar to what you're describing there. This is an Alltech Lansing life jacket speaker. Uh, this, I think, is probably the original life jacket. I don't remember the price I paid for it. It was probably around 80 bucks mm-hmm. or so. Now, they still make these. They've got some smaller and some larger. But this size right here, the thing really sounds good to me. Tommy, you know how I am about my devices. Oh, yeah. So I finally got around to opening this up. A week or so ago. You, you might, what'd you mod on it? I, I didn't modded something. I didn't need to mod anything on it. I just wanted to see what it was because you can't imagine the amount of bass that comes out of this little thing. That might be the only thing you've got that hadn't been modded. Yeah. Close to it. It's two little speakers. There's one little speaker here and one little speaker here. And, you know, I was kind of surprised. How are they getting that bass out of that little speaker? Across the back of it here, there's a rectangle subwoofer. Oh. Now, I didn't take the PC board out to look under it. I assume it's probably active. I don't think it would be a passive radiator because those others are just not going to have enough bass. But really, the thing sounds great. It's a Bluetooth speaker, and it's rechargeable. And it has an auxiliary jack on the back of it there as well as a USB for charging it, and a USB you can use to charge your phone with if this is charged up. So I had to try it just to see what Ken was talking about there. Now, I have paired this with my ID5100 in my truck before. Oh, it's a great Mm -hmm. amateur radio speaker, but uh, I don't don't use it that way. Only a couple of times that I wanted to hear when I was outside the vehicle. That'll that'll crank it up, man. You can hear that thing way away from the vehicle then. But I normally I take this uh, when I'm going to a transmitter site or somewhere and want to listen to something on my phone or on a tablet or whatever. I'll just pair it to it with Bluetooth. So I did a test just to check out what Ken was talking about there. On this particular speaker, I don't know about the Golf, If you pair your phone to this and you're playing audio through it, if you plug something in the auxiliary jack, it automatically disables the Bluetooth in it and it disconnects from your other device. Hmm. So just on this, just plugging in the auxiliary jack kills the Bluetooth on it. Okay. So you don't have to worry about, um, you know, unpairing the Bluetooth or anything. Anyway... um, just thought I'd pass that along. I really, I really like this. Can't, yeah, can't those, imagine how nice good speakers. this is. I've heard them before. Yeah. It's nice that they put a quarter, quarter 20 uh, thread mount on the bottom. Well, it is, yeah. And it even came with like a mount you could hook to your bicycle handle and set it up there. Do you and put you it on can, your bicycle? Huh? Do you put it on your bicycle? I don't have a bicycle anymore. I, oh, yeah? Yeah. I got rid of it. Tires went flat on it. No, actually, it was worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have one um, anymore either. So, Neil's been in the chat room, I see. <laughs> oh, he has. Yeah, no telling. So, let us know what you're using if you're using an amplified speaker with a radio. 
And we'll pass that along to Ken. Well, it's time to get on into, as we promised, uh, some of the Christmas shenanigans on the show tonight. Mike has been a, a longtime contributor to Amateur Logic in these particular segments, and he has something We're special here. for us. Go ahead, Mike. I just said, or a conspirator. Yeah, co-conspirator. Yeah, co-conspirator. Or conspirator, yeah. You want to tell us about this, Mike? Well, like I was saying, I didn't have a lot of time this year, and um, it was actually that uh, Beatles Let It Be um, where, they, where they found 50-year-old um, unreleased footage, and um, I did some looking in the Amateur Logic Vault, and I, I found this one. Well, let's just take a look and get it over with. All right, you chipmunks, ready to sing your song? I think we are. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Tommy? Okay. Okay, George? Okay. Okay, Mel? Mel? Mel! Get ready. That was very good, Tommy. Actually. Very good, George. Aunt <laughs> uh, Millie, you're a little flat. Watch it. That. <laughs> yeah, it kind of speaks for itself, doesn't it? That's pretty good. Yeah, it was, Mike. Right. So that that was quite special. Did have you got anything else, or is that just about it? I I found one more, and it was a little rough, but uh, you can you can try it and see how it goes. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. 
See if you got a helium leak around there. <laughs> There's something going around. I don't know what happened, Mike. I, I think that was the quickest edit turnaround <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, the cheap mock. <laughs> cheap mock. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, quite oh, unusual. Wow. Those are pretty good. Thanks, Mike, for doing that. And you know, Tommy, that's not all Mike did. It's not. A package showed up in the post here a mm, couple of weeks ago. It came in one of those frozen container packages. Uh-huh. And this, I think email has one as well. This is a French-Canadian meat pie. It smells fantastic. It just came out of the oven, and we're going to... Give it a try here and see. Mike, does this have real French Canadians in it? Contrary to what Emil has led you to believe, it absolutely does not. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, I think I Emil. Emil's under the table, I see. Yeah, he's uh, trying to keep it away from the dog. <laughs> well, Which, that. I don't know uh, too much, but let me let me just tell you a little bit of the story. Um, I know I've 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 threatened over the years to try to get you something uh, to sample um, that wasn't kind of prepackaged, and of course, uh, you know, given the distance between us and, and crossing the border and that type of stuff, it was kind of difficult. But I I found this um, this place in in Vermont and. Um, they actually refer to that as a tortier, and it's a French-Canadian meat pie, as you said. And it's a uh, Quebec, uh, Quebec, Quebecois uh, traditional uh, meat pie, and and my family used to uh, to make them around this time of the year, and we used to eat those. And um, you're going to have to describe it to me. Oh, I see Emil's got his. Well, How come it doesn't look the same? It doesn't, does it? It looks kind of red. Huh? Oh, Maybe it's... the dog got it. <laughs> anyway, um, Wait a minute, is that a... to describe oh. it to me because I don't know if it's a traditional Quebecois recipe or not. So, was that a? Enjoy it. <laughs> that wasn't a rat, was it, Emil? Show me that picture again. 
kind of hard to see. <laughs> oh no, no, I don't. It looks like he he surfed it with a shovel. <laughs> yeah. So what uh, what I've kind of meat typically goes in them? Um, usually, uh, usually pork. No moose. Uh. Actually, if it was my grandfather, it would have moose in it because he used to go moose hunting all the time. Yeah. But, um, no, I believe uh, traditional is is pork, minced pork. Cool. And uh, all kinds of spices in it. So my Cajun brother from another mother should should like it. Although it's not, it's not it's not. I'll leave a tip. It's on not the spicy table. hot, um, or at least it shouldn't be anyway. Oh, it smells um, great. You don't eat it. You don't eat it with a spoon and mill. What are you doing? <laughs> well, it it looks like ground beef, but yeah, it, sm- it smells good. Really yeah, it good. does. I don't know what's in it, but it's making my mouth water. All right. Well, let's let's dig in. Okay. Bench meat pot. So is this what they called uh, minced minced meat? Uh, no, not at all. That's something completely different. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Yeah. It's not spicy, but it's it's, it's really good. It's a great flavor. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, that definitely would not survive in my house during the holidays. Mm-mm. I've never had anything exactly like this. I don't know what I'd, uh, I, I, how I would explain it to somebody. It's, it's, it's a meat pie, definitely, but, um, um, maybe a Scottish meat pie would be close. Hmm. (laughs) But I think it's, 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 um, it's spiced up a little differently. Uh, it does kind of have a unique uh, flavor to it, if it's uh, if it's similar to the ones I've had in the past. I can't put my finger on what it tastes like, but it it tastes familiar. It almost reminds me of corned beef hash. <laughs> uh, maybe a little Just bit, slightly. Yeah. What do you think, Emil? I um, I think I'm going to keep eating it. Is what I think. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure yet, so let me let me try some more. I, I was waiting to say if uh, you were going to compare it to what French Canadians taste like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, was for those uh, uh, watching in the chat room, um, there was a bit of chatter over the last uh, couple of weeks, and it. I don't know if it was um, Emil trying to get George queasy because I've noticed <laughs> he's been trying to convince George that the pie contains uh, meat from French Canadians. <laughs> so it took Made a bit of convincing no to tell George that, uh, yeah, there's no, no French Canadians in there. Doesn't taste like unless it anyway. The, unless the butcher happened to back into the meat grinder, and of course, <laughs> of course, he was getting a little behind in his work. He was so green. Well, it's definitely good. It's excellent. So this came from Dykin Farm. 
Yeah, I um, I was really surprised to find it, but being that they're from Vermont and so close to the Quebec border, um, I'm I'm kind of not surprised. But uh, it was kind of a bonus that they would ship them uh, to you fellas down there. It's good. I wish we had another video we could watch so we could finish this, yeah, Tommy. Play the play yeah. the battery video again. It's ten minutes. Um Yeah. I would I would get one of these. No, I I have something. Yeah. It's also from uh I think the uh Great White North arranged uh something to be delivered to me. And uh, really should warm things up for the holidays here. So let's take a look. Apparently, (laughs) (laughs) apparently KFC has some 11 herbs and spices fire logs for your fireplace that you can uh, really uh, liven things up and uh, get that 11 herbs and spices aroma going along with enjoying the fire. And, uh, <laughs> of course, Mike always uh, has my face somehow with the kernel in it, so <laughs> it's a good mix here. <laughs> I noticed that uh, there was an interesting warning. Don't know if you guys can see that, but apparently it, it may attract hungry neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to definitely have to watch out for that, but I definitely plan on... Uh, using that mic and i'm sure the dogs are gonna love it all throughout the neighborhood so thanks thanks for that mike i i figured you you could use it as a distraction for your dogs you could leave it next to your hats and then they'd leave your hats alone that's a good (laughs) idea the old bait and switch i'm i'm pretty sure that my hat's not going to survive past touching after eating this pie (laughs) well That is very good, and there's a lot left, so we're going to have to wind this up, Tommy, so we can get back to supper here. Or maybe it's not supper since it's Canadian. Yeah. However, we've got dessert, All right. and this is coming from, well, the country of Louisiana. From my dear Aunt Sally, an email. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. You want to do the honors there, Tommy? Let's see what we got in that package. Maybe. Might have to cut it open. (laughs) Oh, is it loud? I bet it is. Oh, yeah, it probably is. Okay. What have we got there? Here. We got some pralines. Quite a few mm-hmm. of those in here. Creole pralines. Oh, those are that's some good stuff right there. 
and then yeah, uh, ooh, praline pecans, sugar-free pecans, Cajun, oh wow, Cajun roasted pecans. Oh, they're, they're all stuck together. I like the way you say pecans. It's a pecan. Yeah, it's not a pecan. No, that's what they used to put under the bed when you were sick in the old days. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. It's two different. Oh, sugar-free. Yeah, there's there's uh, four different kinds here. I'm trying to get, keep from rustling the uh, paper too loud for the people watching. Cinnamon pecans. Hmm. Pecans. And the Cajun roasted ones. That's got my attention right there. Awesome. Wow. What kind of pralines in there? Or is it pralines? How do you pronounce it's it? Praline. Oh, oh, they're different kinds. Cafe LA. Ooh, yum. Chocolate. More Cafe LA and chocolate. What is Cafe LA? Uh, coffee and milk. Yeah, so I guess we can really show that up close. Uh, yeah. The whole old school way? Yeah. And, uh, oh, Bananas Foster. Hmm. So, classic. Well, let's They're pick out something. Awesome. I'm going to go with the Cafe LA. Is the Creole going to be hot, Emil? No, I think it's probably going to be the standard kind. No, no, I think it's just meaning that it's made from real Creole Cajun. Oh, okay. Well, this would go good <laughs> with the French-Canadian meat pie, then. Creamy. We're going to try them? Classic, yeah. We're going to try a classic one here. I'm going with the Cafe LA. I'm going to turn these mics off a second. It looks delicious. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, that is good. I've never had any like that before. Really? It's got a little bit of taste vaguely similar to Divinity. Oh, oh yeah? Yeah, to me it does. That um, white candy. Is that that's just a regular praline, right? Classic, yeah. Yeah, I love those. We get them every time we go to New Orleans. Mmm. Yeah, that is so good. Mm-hmm. What you eating over there, Mike? Well, I've I've just got my major award cup here. Filled with uh, um, hot chocolate. Yeah, I can't. Wow. I can't nice. stop eating this. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'll too for a moment. That is so good. Thanks, thanks both of you oh, guys yeah. for sending it. Thank y'all very That's much. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. See. 
<laughs> I must. I just went to the kitchen. I think my daughter's digging into the pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we have we have a disclaimer, right? Or or you know how they have the at the end of the movies, no animals were hurt during the production of this film. Well, no frick. No French Canadians were injured in the in the creation of the CFIs. Yeah, our Creoles. Um, we got one other gift package here that someone sent in, Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. Here, take it out of the pack. Yeah, if you would. This came. From Josh and Leah Nash, Josh over at uh, Ham Radio Crash Course and uh, doing Ham Nation as well. They sent us a couple of packages here of what? What kind of coffee does it say there? It's uh, give it the beans. Ham Radio Crash Course coffee. That's that's what's on there. Awesome. Mm, smells like coffee. Yeah. Oh, thanks, yeah, Josh. Beans. That's and awesome. Leah. I love coffee. I'll be up for weeks, man. After the other coffee we got, we've been we've been wearing that other one out. Really? Those other ones. There was a lot in there. Yeah. Well, we still we still got a lot of it, but we've yeah. used quite a few. I still got a lot That's of tea as stuff. well. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate that. That's that was really awesome. Yeah. Can't wait to try it. I'll try that tomorrow morning. Well, we must have been good, Tommy. At least people think we were. Yeah. Well, thank you all for sending this. Yeah, I really uh, appreciate, appreciate that. appreciate it. And I kind of skipped dinner tonight just for this occasion. So I think I'm going to dig back in. Oh, yeah, me too. And finish some more here. But um, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. And, Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, be safe. Enjoy the time, and uh, we was, yeah, we about to sign off. Uh, I think we are. Yeah, I did want to mention though one thing. This is not the last show of 2021. No, we're doing a New Year's Eve episode. We uh, took a vote among the host here and the people in the chat room. I think when did we do that last Ham College or? Amateur Logic. Uh, I think it must have been on Amateur Logic. I don't remember for sure, but we did. Anyway, it was pretty much unanimous we should do another Christmas Eve sh- or New Year's Eve show. So we'll be doing that uh, here on December the 31st. Join us that night. We've got to line up uh, some guests to be in there with us as well. I'm sure we can line up a few. Mike, is he's been working on his video skills there some, so I would think there could be some non-full-speed theater coming your way. I don't know. Non-full? Non-full, yeah. (laughs) No telling. Uh, telling. We haven't even started planning it out yet. So so there'll be be plenty of hijinks. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So join us here on New Year's Eve. And we'll have a great time right here in the shack. I think everybody will be in their own shack that night. Yeah. We'll just have to see. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, looking, looking forward to that. Well, 
Thanks for being here, everyone. We always appreciate it. It's been a great year here on Amateur Logic, and we really enjoy coming here and doing these shows with you every month. And well, obviously, we've for been the last sixteen years. Sixteen years, yeah. So, join us again on December thirty first for the New Year's Eve show, and I'm not sure the date of the next time college. That'll be coming up right around that date as well. So, have a Merry Christmas and be safe out there. 73. 73. Merry Christmas. 73.